Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by Carol Angley Flores, with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, myself, Stan Chum, the bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy it's Mr. Bank Holiday, it's Paul Levy. Oh, behave. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode number 326. We are ploughing through the 300s already. Just want to say thanks to everyone, as always, who tuned into last week's absolutely bumper show. Nearly two hours, that was. But we had the first two or three weeks of the season to round up. There was five games in that. Uh, this week, I think it'll be quite a bit shorter, but we've got two very special guests, one waiting on the line to speak to us. So without further ado, let's crack on. And as always, we start with a word from our sponsor. Certainly do. So our sponsors for this season, as hopefully you all know by now, Carol Langley Florists, who are based in Chinkford and have been serving the borough of Waltham Forest and the surrounding area for more than the last 70 years. And their fantastic team of florists are here for all your needs, whether that is a bespoke wedding event, a family funeral tribute, a birthday, an anniversary, bar mitzvah, anything, they've got you covered. And it gets better as they offer 15% off to all O's fans and staff, which could bring you in a huge saving. So if you want to find out more, you can give them a call. You can call the shop on 0208 529 4130. You can go to their website www.carolangley.co.uk or the team on social media. They're on Instagram at Carol Langley Florist. They're on Twitter at Carol Langley E4, or you can find the guys on Facebook at Carol Langley Florist. Yeah, also worth mentioning that we still have some sponsored packages available. So depending on what your budget is, we can absolutely help get your business, product, service, solution, whatever it is you might wish to promote out to a fairly broad audience, to be fair. So get in touch with us. Uh, we have a uh, sponsorship pack that we can send to you, giving you a bit more detail and information on that. Absolutely. So like Paul said, two guests in this Bank Holiday Bumperfield podcast. First up, in we're always delighted to be joined by this gentleman. It's Leighton Orient Chairman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back on the podcast, Mr. Nigel Travis. Hey, uh, guys. How, how are we doing? We're doing well, thanks. How are you doing? Uh, I'm very good, actually. Um, it's towards the end of summer. Uh, you have your bank holiday tomorrow. Uh, and we have ours next week, Labor Day. So, um, all good. Very good. What were your thoughts? Let's start with yesterday before we get on with your thoughts about the season. Your thoughts on yesterday's game? Well, it was interesting. It's probably summed up in a WhatsApp message I had with James Brophy. <laughs> uh who's always been one of my favourite people we've had at the club. I went back with some forwards with him and he said, yeah, Orion had a really good day. And I said, I think that was the best we played in two seasons. Uh, I then followed up talking to Richie, said the same thing. And he said, well, I thought Bradford at home last year was about the same, but it was outstanding in every way. And when you consider we had a team of 22 years from four months and still some people injured, I felt really, really good. Yeah, that was, uh, I think everyone had the same uh, yeah. opinion as you. It was a really good atmosphere in Brisbane Road at the full-time whistle yesterday, Nigel. And season so far, in five games in, what are your thoughts on the season? Well, league-wise, league uh, going into the season, I thought we'd lose every game before we started. So the fact we got a point at Blackpool was more than I expected. Um it is a step up. I don't think people realise what a step up it is. And then you add on top the injuries, the illnesses, Dan's suspension. Um, you know, apart from the Portsmouth game that was strange in many ways, uh, I think we've gradually improved. Yesterday, as I've already said, was fantastic. Uh, I'm excited about the squad we have. 
I'm excited about the development of players who've moved up from League Two to League One. So I feel good so far, and I've actually got more confident than I was perhaps in midsummer. Now, obviously, part of that is down to some of our transfer business. And as you said, some of the League Two players have stepped up, League One ready players, but we've also added a sprinkling uh, of quality as well. What's your kind of view on our transfer business? I'm going to assume that you're pretty happy with that, but not wanting to put words in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I am. I mean, I think we, we've got into a habit now of having discussions about all these things, and we'll be having one more discussion this week. and. I think there will be some more business this week, potentially in or out. Um, and I think we, we go about it in a very steady manner. I think I'm, I'm, I continue to be shocked with our contacts. And someone wrote on the forum today um, who found, um, I think it was about Sh- uh, Shaq Ford, who, who watched him and picked him up. Well, I think Fozzie again did that, Steve Foster. So I've been really pleased. And I think when you think, going back to what I said earlier, we've got a squad that's 22.4. I mean, that shows potential for the future. Um, and we're going to have to con- continue to transition as we move forward. I mean, let me go back to our goals. Our goals are to kind of consolidate. Uh, we've got no great expectation we're going to get promotion this year. But just to be clear, if we suddenly find ourselves in fifth position in March, we're not going to say, oh, we're too far ahead. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll go for it and, and then sort out where we are if by any chance we got promoted. I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, stranger things have happened, like Luton going to the Premier League. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel good about our transfer business. I'm also excited and I I want to encourage our fans to start going to see the academy. Um, Matt Porter went yesterday to see the game, beat Brentford 2-1. And it's at Buckhurst Hill, uh, around where I used to go to school, as did Barry Hearn. And he said it's a great facility, so I would encourage our fans to go out and see the academy, get to know some of these young players. And I don't actually know the name of the player but one of them scored a worldie apparently in the second minute um, so I feel good I mean what's not to feel good about we, we've achieved our goals I think we're going to go steadily up the table we've got a fantastic head coach we've got a terrific director of football we've got talent coming through and we can talk about Leighton Orient where they should be Nigel, you mentioned uh, maybe some more transfer activity this week. Has the original budget been uh, adjusted uh, based on the start of the season? Can you tell us anything about the budget? Yeah, yeah, no, I will. Um, so we went into the season with a budget, I won't say the numbers, that was for the year. We also said this is the number we spend by January. Um, we've dipped into the second set, which is the second part of the year already. <laughs> And we'd have to probably also do some loans out of senior players to recover or even a transfer or two. But that nothing is precisely planned at the moment. So we want to be disciplined this year. We don't want to go above the whole budget. I think Martin understands that. Richie fully understands that. But you can be creative 
and you know we're very focused on it every single week uh, and there's another budget that is loans out for young players which isn't a very big budget but when you send young players out like Jepsy Tanger is a good example who's out at the moment you get money back in and at the same time you develop players so um the early part of the season, you don't see too much of it because you've got things that, like the what used to be called the Papa John's Trophy, which, why it's not called that is a long story, but I won't go into that. It's now the EFL Trophy. And uh, that's a great opportunity to give people the opportunity to play first-team football. So um, I think there will be more activity this week, but we will stay within the budget. Are you surprised at the quality of some of the players that we've managed to attract at a League One, at a League One club, or is it kind of no. expectation? No, because we've now got a reputation for being a great place to come and work. Don't forget, this is their job. I mean, we have a monthly meeting as with all the players and all the staff. We tell tell them everything. I mean, I don't believe in hierarchy. You know, the two of you and I have had personal discussions about culture. I think it's a fantastic place to be. You've got to remember, if you go back to COVID, how many other clubs paid everyone all the way through COVID and explained where we stood, why we were doing it, what we were thinking? And then I think we try and create a fun environment. And so I think people come. On top of that, you've got Richie, who I think has got a reputation of being a terrific head coach. And then he's supported by people like Paul Terry and Matt Harold. Um, and I go to the training ground just about every time I come over. The atmosphere is there. The training ground could improve. Another subject to talk about. But as far as I'm concerned, why wouldn't people want to come to Leighton Orient? And if you talk to Idris, um, he will tell you what a fantastic time he had last year, why he wanted to come back. And some and other lone players feel the same. I mean, it's a kind of unique place, and I don't think the environment we've created gets enough credit. In terms of football finance, Nigel, I think last time you was on the podcast, late night, we were a League Two club. We're now a League One club. Financially, are we seeing any benefit yet of being a League One club? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we've got fifty percent more money coming from the league this year, which is obviously a help. But then our wages budget's gone up by about 50% as well because we want to be competitive. And by the way, just to be absolutely clear, we are nowhere near the top of the League One um, wage uh, chart. Um, So just note that. Um, I think we still need redistribution. From what I hear from another chairman, I think we're getting closer. Um, I think... The broadcast deal that comes into place next year, I've been somewhat critical of it, but it, it will bring more money in. But we at Leighton Orient have to do a lot ourselves. We've got to get in more commercial partners. Um, we need to also, I think, really work on, well, this is going to sound a very financial term, sweating the assets more. We've got to get more non-match day events in. We've now got the hybrid pitch. What can we do on that pitch? Which, by the way, I thought was spectacular yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just, I had this conversation with Richie last night. I think <coughs> to 
the speed that the ball moves around will help our style of play. And it certainly did yesterday, despite all the rain. Um, so, you know, we're still going to lose a lot of money this year. And I think sometimes people forget that people like me have to go into our pockets. And some of us only signed up for this because we're fans. I mean, I'm a fan, Matt's a fan, and has been and is more ardent than me because he collects programs and things like that. And then I think Kent's converted himself into a fan and all the others have become fans. But we're really doing, I still think, yeoman's work supporting the club and building the club because my goal has never changed. I want Leighton Orient to be around in 100 years. In terms of and keeping on the subject of money coming into the club... There was a rumour that Stephen Alzate may be leaving Brighton soon. Um, what's the deal as far as we're concerned? What's our interest in that in terms of a sell-on yeah. fee or, or future funding that we might get? OK, so we, we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves. That's the first thing. Uh, and I do check the Alzate Google News all the time. <laughs> and I see that Brighton are on the verge of signing a new midfielder as we speak. So... You know, who knows? I mean, Florentina and Seville, though I, I thought Seville was supposedly skint, but skint may mean different things in that sort of league. Um, and then I also read Leeds were interested. So we we get a sell-on. Uh, we've already received some payments. So broadly, if you throw it all together, we'd get about 20% above what they originally paid, which I won't disclose. Fantastic. And does that 20% go straight back into the club and it gives you a 20% more to kind of invest into the club or keep within the club? And would that... I I, I, I think I'm going to be honest and say we've invested so much money ourselves, I think it's going to stop us having to put money in for a time. Yeah. I mean, I've already put in this season, personally, millions. Um, And... You know, it's because I love the club, because I'm able to do it. Um, And if we can have a breather from time to time of putting more money in, I think considering what we've done, we've been very successful. So, yeah, it'd be great to get that money from Brighton, who, by the way, have been wonderful partners. It's great to have Ed, who's a great guy, uh, coming back to the club. Um, So... Hopefully that answers the question. Yeah. Um, just, you mentioned it earlier, uh, the training ground. Is there any update on that? We had uh, Martin on um, a couple of weeks or three weeks ago, I think it was now, and I think Mark Devlin's spoken uh, as well. But do you have any update in terms of the training ground? You alluded to something in one of your answers yeah. just a few minutes ago. Yeah, we've, we've been talking to somewhere, Wednesday where, with the local council... It seems to be all going well. They're very enthusiastic about us going there. It'll be a good facility, but it's very early in the process. And we need to obviously invest some money. Goes back to the previous question. Mm. So it's not going to happen this year or next year. I mean, Chigwell is actually a pretty good training ground in my view. It's just the... We probably need one more pitch... We probably need a new pavilion because it's really a cricket pavilion and it's a bit tight and small. Um, so 
we need to improve it. And, and it goes back to your earlier question. One of the reasons that people come to clubs is their facilities. And it may mean that certain people won't come to Lake Orient or won't want to... Let's say the younger players, particularly the academy players, what happens if they're 15, 16, they look at where we are, then someone says, hey, come over to Crystal Palace, West Ham, you name it. They look at their facilities and that's why they move. So it isn't so much for the first team. Yes, we'd like a better training ground. It's more for keeping our younger players, which in terms of financial sustainability is is important because we can keep young players, develop them and hopefully make some money on them. I mean, there's some good models out there. I think Exeter have done a nice job with that. Crew over time have done a good job. Um, In my view, we could do better. Good shout. Nigel, we asked uh, for some questions on social media. Uh, One of the main talking points still is around the gallery and the post-match at home games. Still a massive talking point. Is that still a discussion amongst the board? Are you reviewing that? Well, it's not really a discussion amongst the board. It's something for Mark to make his mind up about. Um, Yeah, I've read it. There's a lot of people in the past who've gone up there uh, as people who pay for more expensive hospitality. And effectively, they go up there and we should give the people who have paid the extra cost first choice there, in my view. And we've tried to create a a difference there. We keep everything under review. We want to keep our fans happy, but we also want to give people um, value for the money they pay. So Mark made this decision. He continues to look at everything. But, you know, there are aspects of this that go back to your prior question. You can't keep expecting us to effectively subsidise some of the activities at the club. I mean, we've got to start making money and we want to make money so that... I mean, if we lose 500000 a year, I don't really care. That's breaking even as far as I'm concerned. If we can get to that kind of level, it means we can address the playing budget more, but we're not able to do that and we have to find ways of making money. So it's all a bit complicated... But I, I, I hear the complaints, Mark takes them on board, but he's, he's paid to make decisions. Fine, no problem. So we had quite a few um, people message us on social media. One of them was from David Carroll One, who said, um, do, where do you see the club in five years? Uh, simple answer, championship. Um, we, uh, we've done a plan that I think I've shared with you, which basically is the stabilisation plan. And we're now thinking about what that really means. So I'd like to believe that we will be stable for three, four years in this league and then get the promotion we never got in 2013-14. I think all of football will be very different by then. I think more money will come into the game. It's, it's, it's really fascinating living here and seeing Messi mania. Um, and someone spoke to the MLS this week and were asked, so how's the MLS doing? We've got so much money, we don't know what to do with it, was the answer. Um, and if you want my honest opinion, the MLS is an absolutely awful league. Um, so if they're making money... I think it shows the value of the EFL, which, and I've said this to 
the EFL is underpromoted, undermarketed, and doesn't take advantage of the huge marketing dollars in the States. And interestingly, I've got a meeting tomorrow with some great mates who run some of our competitors, clubs like Northampton, uh, Stevenage, Plymouth, uh, Wickham, um, Gillingham. We're, we're all American owners and we get together and we're talking about how we can perhaps group together and bring some more marketing dollars into the EFL. Um, so I think I see us there, but we've got to find ways of making more money. I think streaming, and by the way, shame on any Orient fans who stream illegally, um, because there was an article in The Athletic last week about the sheer amount of illegal streaming that goes on. You know, you're denying the club money, and and I think we've got to try and find a way to cut that out. Uh, obviously, your overseas um, listeners, I'd encourage them to sign up for the video pass for the year, which is great value. Um, and I bought it as a gift for some of my friends. So um, we'll be in the championship, I'm pretty sure, which when I go back to when I was in my 30s, that's kind of where we were. Mm. So we've refocused. I think I said this to you last time I was on. It's a bit difficult. When you achieve a goal, which was to get back to League One, what do you do next? I mean, it's like marrying the girl you always fancied. How do you go beyond that? And I think we've got ourselves out of that quandary now and we're kind of excited about moving on. We had another question uh, from David, Nigel, about the O's uh, and a potential American summer tour. Is that kind of an ambition at some point? Well, it's interesting. Yeah, this is a really interesting question because, you know, we've had some of these camps over here. Mark and Martin came over in May and the idea of them coming over is just to sort of spend time together, talk about stuff in general without being too, you know, rigid in how we go through the subjects. And um, it was Mark who said, look, we should focus on New England because that's close. It's only five and a half hours to London. So I've talked to a couple of places about doing camps there. And then I went to see the British consul. And for those who don't understand, the British government has these consuls all over the world. And the British consul, I went to see him, and they're trying to encourage us to do it, and apparently there's money to support it. So we're looking at that actively. I want to be very clear. It might happen. It probably won't happen. So it's something we're looking at, but, you know, you can't beat the facilities over here. I mean, nowhere has facilities like America. And my son's just started at uh, University of Virginia, and... It is staggering how good the facilities are. I, I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, and the, so I think there's a lot of opportunity to do a tour here. We also want to build up our American fan base and a quick shout, remind everyone, please sign up for the International Day on October the 21st. Um, £349, um, cheaper, I think, uh, for some people. But... Yeah, I think it's a, a potential, but I'd only give it a 20% chance. L Hayward 4 said, will we offer Richie a long three or four year contract to show he's the man to get us to the championship? Um, well, we've done it once and effectively he's got that length of contract. It usually comes down to the severance. And yeah, we, we intend to talk to Richie 
and he knows this about us extending his contract. We love him. I think he loves us. Um, I have a personally really good relationship with him. I mean, Martin, who really comes up with some great ideas quite frequently, said that when Richard comes in, he said, I think you should have a closer relationship because I always used to do, well, Richie reports to Martin. I shouldn't talk to him. I talked to Richie two hours after every game. And one of the great things is that Richie listened. He's a great listener. You know, if you have a conversation with Richie, he will say, well, I will say to him, okay, so what do you think? Oh, yeah, we played well. And I've already heard it all because I've listened to Dave Victor's interview. And then he said, well, what do you think? And occasionally I come up with a few things. Like, you know, one we discussed, the speed of taking throw-ins. That was last season. And, and we have a discussion about it. But Rich is fantastic. I mean, I've said this to him. He could work in another business because he's got incredible people skills. He's tough, as we saw yesterday, leaving out people. He's very thoughtful. Uh, and it's interesting, you know, I do a lot of speeches and stuff. He, he spends time in the car listening to music and thinking. And we are so lucky to have him, guys. Um, but I want to make sure that he feels he's lucky to have us. And I think at the moment he does. Yeah, I think that's a. I think the relationship with, amongst the fan base, Richie Wellens, is a, is really strong and really good to hear you say um, that on Richie, which is uh, music to our ears. So, uh, another question we had from social media was from CLE three underscore, who said, "How much engagement has the club had with new residents on Oliver Road, and have the club established relationships with landlords, including any literature or similar, in welcome packs to incentivise them getting along to games?" Uh, excellent question. Uh, I can't answer it. We've talked about it. I've talked about it with Mark. I'll put it on my list for my meeting with Mark on Friday because I don't know the answer. But we have talked about it. I think there was some talk about doing something as well. Ben Ben 1980 said, I know it's early, but are we planning on offering contract extensions in the next month or two to those whose contracts are ending June next year? Would hate to lose some of our talent by sitting on our hands. Okay, so the way this works tends to be we get through the summer, we then go, let's have a rest. And then we tend to start talking about those things in about October. So right. okay. we've had zero yeah. discussions because it's all, you know, if you go back over the last few weeks, it's been, at one stage, we thought Seoul was going to be out for 12 weeks. So we had a long chat about goalkeepers and then we've had this well-known discussion about pace up front. Um, so October is the time we start talking about that we had a lot of questions Nigel from listeners around investment and investors so I guess the club's still looking for further investment and again if the club was to be successful in League One and get itself into the Championship would it have to be a case of looking at further investors again yeah definitely I mean um, I I personally put a lot of money in. You know, I always put money into Leighton Orient thinking I will never get it back, but um, probably won't be the case actually because football's going to get better. Um, but I'm fortunate that I can put it in and not miss it. And it's a love uh, and a passion. Um, but the championship's a different angle, a uh, different animal. The average club loses 15 
million a year. I mean, Millwall was probably the best run club. Well, Luton were last year, but say Millwall. And sadly, John Burleson died in a car crash 10 miles from where I'm talking now. He was their chairman and member of my country club. And they were losing every year 13 to 15 million. A friend of mine went to an, another championship club. And the first thing they put down is they're going to lose 15 million and you work from there. Well, none of us can afford that kind of loss. Um, it's, it's going to be interesting how it happens to Plymouth because, as I said earlier, we're quite close to Plymouth. Unfortunately, we keep drawing them in the <laughs> League Cup. But, um, but Simon, who runs Simon Hallett, is a really good guy, very thoughtful individual. And they've had a lot of success, obviously, and they're, they're a much bigger club potentially than Lake Orient because of where they are. Um, they don't lose that much. But even this year, they've had to take their budget. I won't say because I know the exact numbers. They've had to take their budget up like two and a half times. Wow. I mean, it's, it's kind of a frightening leak. Yeah, they've also paid a seven-figure transfer fee, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. As well. So they've got, they've got yeah, some I've funds available. I've yeah. read that as well. Um, RG on the forum says, why do we have Category A games? This is the third division and paying £30 plus is not going to get many turning up on the day, especially when away games at one of the Category A teams, Charlton, costs just £24. OK. Um, <laughs> let me answer that. Uh, firstly, I think people have to recognise that we continue to lose money. We would have had no club unless we'd come along. We can't keep... We're going to lose a lot of money again this year. We have to become economic um, and sustainable as fast as we can. Um, there are some games that are more attractive than others. So at some stage, we have to price those accordingly. Here in the States, the categorization happens in every single sport. If I want to go and see the Red Sox and they're playing the Dodgers right now, that's kind of a Category A game. This is standard. We've updated our practices. We can't keep doing what we've always done and keep losing the kind of money. And, and I would also say that even though our budget is nowhere near the highest in League One, it's certainly a very competitive budget this year. The money has to come from somewhere and we have to make choices. Um, so I think that's a simple answer. Great stuff. Last question from listeners uh, was from the forum and it said that Ken recently mentioned the Olympic Hockey Stadium as a possible site for ground redevelopment. Has this actually been looked into and what do you think of this possibility? Well, okay, so... This is a complicated question. I nearly swore there, like Richie. You uh, almost dropped the Richie Wellens bomb, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I love Brisbane Road, but I never drive to the ground. It's an absolute nightmare driving there. So, we intend to talk to Walton Forest Council about what they're going to do to help us. A 9,000 stadium isn't big enough. How do we redevelop where we are? Or do we move? And then it's clearly the hockey stadium, as far as I'm concerned, is appears to be underused. So that is a potential. 
I've been told for reasons I don't understand that's not on. We'd love to stay in Walsham Forest if we did move. So we are going to have, and I'm spending a whole week in the UK for a whole variety of reasons in September, going to meet with the council. Um, and I think we're going to be pretty tough and say, look, we got ourselves into a situation where I know people laugh about how we count the attendances, but the attendances, if I go back to the early 2011, 12 time was three, 4,000, you know, however you count it, we're averaging seven, 8,000 right now. And if we can really cultivate, as per the previous question, all the new development, we should have numbers higher than that, but we're restricted. So we're going to put that on the table with the council and say, what can we do? I mean, Wrexham got 17 million from the uh, the government of Wales. Walton Forrester investing 7 million in Leighton Station. I think you'll find that we bring in a lot of economic, social and political value to Leighton, or, uh, into the, to Leighton and the London Borough of Walton Forest. So I think we've got to have some fairly direct conversations about this because to move stadium, if we move stadium, our estimates is going to cost £100 million. Um, to redo... The East Stand, we've had estimates, and I think you've heard this before. Yeah. If we redid it, it's probably 25 to 30 million. So we got some big issues, and, and it comes back to the previous question. If you're restricted on the amount of space you got, how do you become sustainable? And you probably have to charge more. So... I know that's not what people want to hear, but that's the reality because the equation of being competitive and it will become worse because I think the new football fair play as a result of distribution is going to centre on revenue. The higher your revenue, the more money you can spend on players. Mm. We're restricted by our stadium. So it's kind of a merry-go-round that we try and manage the whole time. Yeah, delicate. Balance. If anyone's got any great ideas, let please let me know. But I can tell you, building stadiums has gone up considerably. And I think we should all focus on what's happened to Liverpool, Northampton, and I think the other one may be Birmingham, who've been affected by the Buckingham Group's pending administration. They've just had to stop work because the price of building, in Liverpool's case, a new stand, it's just gone up and up and up. And they gave Liverpool an estimate they can't meet. Wow. Yeah, very very delicate balancing act. That, that was all the questions that we, we had, uh, Nigel. Um, so I just really want to uh, take a moment just to say thank you very much again for your candidness and, and your transparency on, on some of the questions and, and you know, certainly not your no one that we've ever spoke to has ever dodged or ducked any any questions. So appreciate that. Um, so just finally then, just a message for fellow Orient fans out there that are listening to this. Well, A, I'm confident we're going to keep improving. Secondly, thank you for phenomenal support. I went to Charlton and it was unbelievable. 
the noise at Blackpool was incredible. Um, this is me sitting in America listening to it. Um, Richie, I think, has recognised that. So thank you to everyone. I think we've got to encourage everyone to do what they can. I think a lot of us have tried to do our very best by putting our hand in our pocket. I encourage people, for one, to get to the um, stadium early. I mean, the coach and horses and the other restaurants are competitors. And I hear people say to us about our prices, understand that, but you've got to, you've got to recognise that you go in there and you're taking money away from Leighton Orient. And I'm going to give you, if I can get an email up, some numbers from yesterday. At 2 o'clock, there were 840-odd people in the ground. At 2.15, just shy of 1,400. At 2.30, 2,500. 2.45, That means that people are going for a drink down the road. They're eating down the road. Why not come and spend that money with Leighton Orient? And if we could fill up that time, we'd have far less pressure on some of the other things we have to do. So I think the fans need to do more to get in the ground earlier and spend their money at Leighton Orient. That, that's my message. But thank you for everything you're doing in terms of supporting the club. So a massive thank you to O's chairman, Nigel Travis. Again, Nigel spoke uh, so well and answered questions uh, thoughtfully, honestly, expertly, and didn't buckle any questions. So once again, massive thank you to Nigel and the club for sorting that interview uh, out. But not only one interview tonight on our Bump Up Bank holiday special podcast, we have two, and we are delighted to be joined by the voice of Orient Live, the one and only Dulcet Dave, Dave Victor. Dave, welcome. Well, thank you. Thanks very much for having me on. And how are you both? We're doing very well, thanks. How about yourself? How are you finding yeah, the season? Uh, well, I certainly enjoyed um, yesterday, that's for sure. And it's, uh, We knew it was going to be a tough start, and that's how it uh, proved to be. What we didn't know was there going to be so much illness and injury. Uh, and it feels that yesterday, for the first time, that Richie had a strong bench um, and was able to sort of fill the sort of tactics that he would have wanted we're far more pressing, far more like ourselves, right? Like, uh, playing like champions, and um, yeah, it, it, it felt um, that we were there again, didn't it? It was, a, it was a really good afternoon. The post-match interview, Dave, with yourself and Richie, it felt to me anyway that it was a, a weight off Richie's shoulders. It felt like a very uh, positive, very happy, very very energising interview, and he was in good spirits. He was in very good spirits. In fact, I couldn't use the interview for BBC Radio London. Because he was very excited. Um, uh, I, I'm sure that you've heard the interview. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, and not only uh, were there sort of um, uh, adjectives that they used, um, uh, people got to know all about my uh, golf convertible, which um, was not what I expected. It's now world famous. Um, so... We're very delighted to have you on. Um, you have a book coming out, so tell us a little bit about that. How, how has this book come about? What's, what's the book about? So it's a club project, and it's about, um, primarily, it's about last season. It's uh, called Champions. It's a collaborative uh, edition. It was um, uh, something that I've done with um, Neil Silver. Neil and I um, started back in the early 80s for Rips Cross Hospital Radio, and Neil went on as a a professional journalist, has written for many national newspapers, um, 
and has prepared and been involved in different uh, books in the past. Um, so uh, the words are definitely myself and Neil Silver, and the photographs of um, Simon O'Connor, which are just uh, fantastic. And the idea uh, really is to have a not only a souvenir of what was an astonishing season, but also a little bit of analysis and also to tell the story, because it wasn't just about last season. It felt to me that it was a journey. So we tracked the journey, and the journey starts at Wembley and the defeat against uh, Rotherham and everything that's happened since then. Um, Neil's put it into different sections, and I think the sections work. Um, so we have a forward from Charlie Edinburgh, uh, and I think that's so important because Justin... Um, was a big part in the story that we're telling. Um, and then the first chapter um, is the fall and rise of the Orient. And then it's the second chapter is a, a personal reflection of, of mine. Um, and then we have the saviours, uh, which of course is Nigel and Kent and Matt Porter. And Matt's been unbelievably supportive of the whole project um, and again I don't think it would have been ha uh, happening if it hadn't been for Matt's input and guidance um, we then have a chapter about leadership which is Richie Wellens and Martin Lee from the boot room which uh, is Darren Prattley Omar Beckles and Lawrence Bigru and then we have the supporters perspective we've got Julian Lloyd Webber and obviously he's a, a lifelong Orient supporter so um, he talks about times in the first division and also about what he hopes for the future of the club we've got James Masters and it's a very moving and emotional family thoughts not least about his um, granddad and I think particularly the Stockport game uh, I know that I was thinking about people that um, I'd love to be there with me um, that wasn't the case and, and James expressed that so well we got Matt Simpson uh, and Matt, of course, always brings humour to, to the things. It's a very dry humour. And I think that's important in the book because it wouldn't be the went without a laugh or two. And then we have the statistics and lots and lots of um, Simon's wonderful photographs. Sounds like a wonderful book, Dave. It sounds like uh, you put together an amazing commentary on, on Orient, not just only from last season, but from, from the journey, like you've said. So when, when does this book become, become available and how do people buy the book? Well, it's an A5 um, book. Um, it's landscaped. It's hardbacked. It's got a, a dust sheet um, and lots and lots of sort of glossy photographs. I think captures um, Simon's um, photography very well. Um, it's limited edition. It's definitely a club project, so it's only going to be available um, in the club shop and on the club website. They're going to start promoting it next week because uh, Neil and I made the decision literally at the end of the crew game um, so the turnaround has been very quick both in terms of the writing of it but in particular in terms of publishing it so quickly I've been on such a learning curve I had no idea how difficult it was particularly these days to get a book published um, but we understand that it's definitely going to be delivered next week um, which means it'll be on sale before the Steve Lynch match there's only 500 that have been produced so far and how much will one of these cost uh, us Dave? It's going to be £25, um, okay. and it will be, uh, I hope, something that people will treasure. Uh, I know that um, my Orient books, and I've got many, um, the first was the pictorial history, which goes back to the 70s, which is when I started sort of following the club. And when I opened that up, it, I sort of automatically go, 
right back to, to those days and you know just see the images and I, and I hope and the idea of this book is that you know it'll be something to keep and um, remember a season like however. Dave, it sounds like Steve said. It sounds like a really intriguing book, and I can't wait to to um, get a copy and hopefully, unfortunate, and get in in time. But how? What? What made you want to do this? What? What sort of prompted you, or, or how did the thought process behind this book come about? Well, so often it's down to Matt Porter, and I can't remember which game it was. But uh, post match, Matt came down and he said to me, "I hope you're keeping the diary, Dave, because this will make a wonderful book." Um, <sighs> I've been listening and enjoying the circus upstairs, um, but there's always been part of me that's thinking that maybe that is a story that, that should be told. I don't think um, there is a book in it in, in itself, um, but there were some horrendous stories, and I think um, uh, Dave Noyant, as a case study, particularly over the last um, eight years or so, <clears throat> you've got the contrast of astonishing leadership, absolutely inspirational vision, value-based, um, people with orient at their heart and understanding the value of the football club to the community, and that's obviously with Nigel and Kent and the board of directors that we have now. We're so fortunate, and we appreciate them because of what went before and uh, just how awful it was. Mm. And I think the story that they told was that often it said that football's about money, and they proved that it isn't. Uh, for a while, they spent a fortune, but because they treated good people bad, um, we know what happened. So this sort of tracks that story, and obviously we have the tragedy and the loss of Justin. Hmm. Brilliant stuff. Well, Dave, wish you best of luck with the books, like you've said, available from this Saturday, hopefully, in the club shop at £25 if you're listening and want a copy, get yourself World Beer 4 in kickoff, and you'll be able to get yourself a copy. Dave, we wish you best of luck with the book. Thank you for all you do for Leighton Orient FC. I think every O's fan appreciates what you do on a weekly basis, and I'm sure the book will be a, a raving success. Absolutely. Well, thank you for the opportunity to explain it, and uh, well done to you guys, and keep up the good work. Thanks very much. All the best to you, Dave. See you soon. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. So that was the voice of Orient Live, Dave Victor, and that was our two interviews done. So Nigel Travis and Dave Victor on our bank holiday bumper pod. It's probably time now to tell you about Supporters Club update. So two trips to tell you about. Exeter away on Saturday the 9th of September. Coaches leave at half past eight in the morning. This one kicks off at 3pm. Adult fares, £39. Concessions, £36. And kids aged 15 or under travel for £20. And then Saturday the 16th of September, so two away Saturdays in a row, yeah. being in Lejande, we are off to Peterborough United. Coaches lead the ground for this one at 11am, costing £28 for adults, £25 concessions, and kids aged 15 or under a mere £14. Please remember those prices do not include your match day ticket. And if you want to book for any of those trips, you can do so in the Supporters Club on a match day, or if not, you can call the travel line on 07507 539. Five seven nine. Expertly done there, Mr Nussbaum. So one piece of AOB, a good piece of AOB this week. Congratulations to Orient forward Aaron Drinnen uh, and his family on the birth of his new daughter. We hope mum and baby are both doing very well. I don't think he listens, but we'd like to mention it 
anyway because it's nice to have good news. Absolutely, so congratulations to the Dryden family. So let's go through the week that was at Leighton Orient. Not much happened until no. yesterday, so we'll fly through it. Happy Monday, the 21st of August. No news to report at the club. No, but on to Huey Tuesday, the 22nd of August, the club announced that George Jones has joined the club. He's now head of media, replacing Luke Lamborn, who left last month. George has joined us from Chon, so welcome to Leighton Orient, George. Yeah, absolutely. Best of luck at the O's, George. Wednesday, 23rd of August, another quiet day at the club. Again, no news to report. Yeah, a couple of things on Thursday, the 24th, as it was a joint happy birthday as Reese Byrne turned 21 and Ruel Soturio turned 22. Yeah, hope you had an awesome birthday, gents. Also on Thursday, uh, following the red cards for Paul Terry and Richie Williams at the working game the previous week, the FA announced that Leighton Orient's assistant manager, Paul Terry, has been given a one-match touchline ban and a £500 fine for his misconduct at their EFL League One game against Wickham Wanderers on Tuesday the 15th of August. Paul Terry admitted that he acted in an improper and confrontational <coughs> manner during the 52nd minute and following the final whistle, which led to his dismissal, and he also accepted the standard penalty. But meanwhile, head coach Richie Wellens has appealed his dismissal following the conclusion of the same match and is set to attend an FA hearing in the coming days. So we'll keep an eye to see what happens with that one. Absolutely. Nothing to report on Friday the 25th of August. We move to Saturday. It's a bit of a relief we had two guests this week. Absolutely. Otherwise, it's a 20-minute podcast. podcast. <laughs> so on Saturday, yesterday, the Yellows <coughs> were in action against Brentford in the morning. And the Yellows took the lead in the fifth minute as Thomas scored a quote absolute worldy. Nigel obviously alluded to it. Yeah. The uh, Academy Twitter feed alluded to it. Uh, to put the O's one up Alcastidis doubled our lead in added time at the end of the half which ended 2-0 to the Orients it did in the second half Brentford did pull a goal back in the 77th minute but it wasn't enough as the Orient youngsters saw the game out to win that 2-1 so well done to the young O's superb result against Brentford Premier League Brentford and a decent Premier League Brentford because they invest in their infrastructure below the first team tremendous love yeah. it get yourself down to Buckhurst Hill on the home Sunday game road. on a Saturday absolutely middle, what, middle 10 ground. minutes away 15 yeah. minutes away great stuff but the main events on Saturday as you'll all know was Cambridge United at home and before the game we ran our standard Twitter poll to find out how you thought the O's would get on in this one we had 443 votes Decent. so another healthy amount of votes in yeah. a day and a half with 21% of you thinking the O's would lose Ooh. 25% thinking that the O's would draw, but an overwhelming majority, not overwhelming, but a majority, 54% of you thought the O's would win this game. So thanks to everyone who voted on that Twitter poll. Yeah, two o'clock, as always, the team was announced. Sol Brin was back in goal. James turns happy. Galbraith, Brown, Mizuni, Graham, Archibald, Soteriu, and Ford completed the starting 11. And the substitutes for this one were Howes, Hunt, Beckles, Prattley, Monker, Obiero, and Piggott. Well, that side saw a few changes to the starting lineup from the side that lined up against Blackpool last week. Most notably, Captain Omar Beckles was named on the bench as Dan Happy returned from his suspension. Idris Elmazuni took the captaincy. Sol Brin made his return from injury. Sam House was also named on the bench, as well as George Monker and Joe Piggott named on the bench, replaced in the starting 11 by Shaq Ford and Jordan Graham, who made their first starts for the O's with our opponents, naming former O's favourite James Brophy in their starting lineup. Mm. Bearded Lejande, a lot of surprise when that team was announced. Yeah. Well, how are you feeling? Yeah, surprised actually. Pleasantly surprised in many ways because Solgrim was back. He was meant to be out, as Nigel said earlier, for quite a number of weeks, but turns out he it wasn't as bad as what they thought, so it's great to see him back. 
Uh, Omar Beckles, I think probably most notably being dropped. Um, friend of ours was at the uh, training ground midweek and saw that Omar had, had his uh, knee strapped with some ice. So to me, that wasn't a shock, but I guess to many that probably didn't know that, that probably was a big shock. And also the same for, for George Moncur. So looking forward to seeing what Shaq Ford, Jordan Graham can do. Strong bench as well, I think, as well, um, from, from that standpoint. But it's a, like Nigel said, the average age yesterday was about 22 years old. So youthful, um, different. I think resting uh, Omar and, and George will probably help that as well. They may be, I don't know, they haven't had the best of starts to the season, so maybe giving them a rest uh, will give them some reinvigoration and, and give others an opportunity to stake their claim to their shirts. Yeah, for me, I like it. Some big calls there, but for me, it proves everybody has to fight for their place. It's Spot just not on. an assumption that you're going to start. So, mm. yeah, the players who haven't been in the best of form drop to the bench, and the ones who've been hungry get an opportunity. Yeah. Some big opportunities out there for some players today, like Shaq Ford, massive opportunity. I didn't have him down as a starter. No. That was an eyebrow raiser for me. Gal Brief. Again, when that team was announced, thinking, well, where's Galbraith playing? Mm. Where's Brown playing? But big opportunities for both. And happy in turn, centre back. That's a young centre back pairing, but if they were to Expert. perform well, mm. then, you know, it's Beckles' place to get back. So, love it. I had an inkling Solbrin would be coming back. They'd gone quiet, quiet on Brin. Yeah. And they'd alluded true. about a week ago that he it wasn't as bad and they'd gone quiet. Yeah. Pleasantly surprised to see him back, but not not a massive shot. But yeah. also good to see Jordan Graham starting. I think last week I may have given him an unfair panning for not being fit enough to start. I think we had that discussion. But good to see him in the starting lineup. And I think it's fair to say we had a lot of views when that team was announced. Yeah, there was the underscore none 06. New one for Twitter handle for yeah. me. So welcome to the podcast. It looks like our injury list is decreasing. Only Thompson, Aggie, Drinnen, Sanders and Sweeney now. I must uh, say that I did see Dan Aggie walking around the ground when I was going in about quarter past two and he was on crutches. So that still hasn't been officially announced kind of what he's done. Obviously we had the... BBC rumour on that line they put in the article saying five months but it doesn't look great for Aji yeah. based on what I saw on Saturday birthday boy Les LK52 said surprise Beckles and Piggott are dropped they have been poor so far this season but proves that Rishi's not scared of making the big calls hope it works out for him yeah Oral Coral 1972 said at last Wellens has seen the light and binned off Beckles and Moncur maybe a bit harsh there Rob JB 1974 says to me this is a very attacking lineup, and that bench compared to last week so much stronger. Yeah, LOFC Loza said, it's good to see no player is undroppable, to your point earlier. This will reinforce to all the players, you have to perform on match day or there's someone breathing down your neck to start ahead of you. Howes getting team of the week last week was was growing into the role, but Solbrin is probably number one. Come on, you guys. That's a really good point. Might say, and I should have mentioned it earlier, it might seem a bit harsh on, on Sam Howe that he's been dropped considering he he was yeah. getting better with games. But I guess you go, you know, you need to turn around and we need to to get a win on the table and you make those sorts of decisions. Yeah, but we're not, I don't, we're not going to play Richie's full post-match, but he did cover that in terms of his thinking behind he did. that decision. He explained himself quite well there. Phil VZ once, well, I like the look of this team. It looks super strong going forward. Idris' captain is perfect as he's had such a strong start to the season. I mean, that's a good point about Idris being captain. Although he's young, he's probably one of the senior in that team. Yeah. Plays in that central midfield position has probably been one of our standout players. So for me, when I saw Idris was captain, I was like, okay, good call. Yeah, mm. I get it and I like it. Who could it have been if it wasn't Idris? Dan Happy or Tom James as a slightly elder statesman? Yeah, do you know what? I didn't, I didn't even think about it. It just made perfect sense to me. But yeah, possibly you could have gone for Tom James potentially. But other than that, yeah, I think Idris 
the bang on the bang on choice. Yeah, absolutely. Phil Red Rum said, "Looks like things are shaping up, and Richie has had enough of the time being for the time being of Piggott and Beckles. But more pace up front should help us get onto the front foot straight away, and the midfield looks strong. I think some of these are a little bit harsh. I think I think George and, and Omar have just struggled to adapt." Yeah as quickly as the others have I think that's probably a part of it they don't just suddenly go from being decent players to below average if you like yeah they've made mistakes or not had the impact that you thought but nonetheless that's I think some of these are slightly harsh yeah PM31970 so some big calls and well done Richie for making them yeah Ford will shine today said Richie J Bourne big decisions by Richie deserves the result and the last tweet we had it was from Len Chichen one who said thick and fast and another difficult game prospect needs to play as well as we did against Blackpool. A must be goals, and having Ford up front could help us. Improve defence and a speedy clinical attack needed from the front line today, and the home support will help the team. Starting 11 looks like the real deal. Yeah, so the match kicked off at 3 o'clock. Top of the table, Cambridge got this match underway in E10, with the O's looking for their first win of the season. And we're going to fast forward very quickly to the sixth minute as an attack saw the ball go out wide to our left. Theo Archibald beat his man, drove into the box, his low-driven shot went past the far post where Shaq Ford was sliding in, but he was just a toenail away from making contact. Very close there. You could tell Theo was in the mood. Yeah. First thing, great run, does really well there. Also in that build-up, Ford, there's a long ball into Ford. He took the ball down really well, beautifully. Great control. Um, and then he got the ball into El Miz, who made the right decision, right pass in. So you could see already, fast play, getting the ball up the pitch quicker yeah. but Ford yeah really good touch there from the build up and you make a good point there as well because Rich has been moaned in a couple of post-match interviews about not making the right decisions at the right times and you're absolutely exactly. right there they made the right decisions at the right time 14th and then Ethan Galbraith picked up a yellow after he was a split second late in Kai Kai who would have been away down our right to take him on for the team yeah yeah, I think that was a tad harsh actually I think it was just literally just a split second late and, and he's caught the guy's foot and the guy's gone down I, I think that's probably a, a verbal warning and so that you do that again you're going to go in the book because then he's got another 80 odd minutes on a yellow card it just didn't it just seemed a bit harsh that the ref was just straight at him now there's a yellow card but because again back to our point last week about inconsistent refereeing you see them just tell the player off like do that again and you're going in the book for sure but this guy went straight for a yellow plenty of O's possession in the first 20 or so minutes uh, with a few half chances created Tom James had an effort in the 22nd minute that went well wide after he'd picked up the ball on the left he'd driven across the goal unchallenged he got his shot off uh, after some more good build-up play from 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 the O's. Yeah, I mean, the build-up play was um, really good. Watching some of the highlights back today, you just realise how well we actually kept the ball and how far we pressed Cambridge in, as another example, with that chance there. But in the 27th minute, Cambridge's Jack Lancaster fizzed a low cross into our box, missed by many, but Tom Jones alert enough to clear the ball. Yeah, 28 minutes on the clock. We went up the other end and a superb cross from Theo Archibald on the right, picked out Jordan Graham at the far post. His shot was blocked by a defender. The ball came back to him. He drilled, the, uh, drilled it across the goal where Shackford was waiting to knock the ball past Stevens to make it 1-0 to the mighty O's with his first goal for the club on his home debut. Fully deserved. Yeah, fully deserved that goal. Decent goal. Good cross from Archibald into Graham. Good to see Graham get an assist as well. But look, Shackford, <clears throat> first home start. First goal. Doesn't matter if it's a 30-yard Doesn't matter, matter. Doesn't matter. Tapping going off his, his chest bottom. or yeah. close range. Great to see. Felt the relief around the stadium, I must say. And there was a loud roar that accompanied that when that went in. So really good to see. Fully deserved. 
and given it's been all us in this, I don't know what the stat was on the possession for the first half an hour, but we certainly deserved that league given yeah. the industrial, industrious, how industrious we'd been throughout that. So yeah, absolutely agree. Brilliant stuff. And the 31st minute, shortly after, almost 2-0 as the ever-lively Theo Archibald struck the crossbar with a thunderbolt of a shot from about 25 yards out. Again, more great build-up play as Cambridge were chasing shadows again. Yeah, on the movement. highlights, there's about 45 seconds of passing movement, constant pressure before we even take the shot. I must say, Archibald doesn't even run up to take that shot. Literally, the power he gets from just whacking his leg back to follow through on the ball. I mean, I think Keeper was beaten by the power of it, but unlucky there, but straight on the front foot again. Yeah, that's exactly right. 32 minutes, so just after the half-hour mark, Sol Brin needed to be alert for the first time this game to stop an effort uh, Lancaster who uh, to stop an effort from Lancaster, whose volleyed effort was straight at him. 37th minute, those penalty appeals as Jordan Graham went down in the box. Referee having none of it, waved like him away. Looked like a pen to me, to be fair, but we're at the other end, so someone closer might disagree. Uh, the match was getting a little bit feisty, and in the 44th minute, Andrews' challenge on Brown was late, and thankfully he picked up a booking. He did. Two minutes of time added on, played out as referee brought the half to a close with the O's leading 1-0. Must say that was a very, very enjoyable first half of football mm. to watch we were by miles the better team controlled the ball made the right decisions saw good runs good communication from the team you wouldn't have thought that was first against 23rd or if you did you'd Correct. be thinking Lane were first and Cambridge was 23rd yeah spot on attendance was announced at 8,266 with a very decent and respectable 1,243 Away fans. M11 Derby, isn't it? Absolutely it is. <laughs> so we got the second half underway. No change to half time for the O's, but within a minute, Kai Kai forced Sol Brin into a good low save at his fast at his far post as he denied the visitors an equaliser. Good save there from Brin. Very much so. Three minutes into the, this half, a yellow card for Hadmi of Cambridge for an elbow on turns. And that wasn't the first time yeah. that he'd been a bit physical with Ed and he should have been booked earlier. He should have. He finally got booked on the 14th minute. 50 minutes in, big chance for the O's to get the second as Ethan Galbraith played a superb ball for Rorel to run on to. But from a great position, Rorel went for the near post fired wide for me should have done better there yeah. the far post was on yeah. I think he had forward in a better position yeah. had he looked up but he took it as a bit of a snapshot but unlike up there but a great run and Galbraith a great ball into his park seen him score from a tighter angle actually yeah. so yeah he, he has done it. He, he was quite frustrated and disappointed Shaq Ford was calling him saying look why didn't you feed me in but Ruel's not that player, not he, that player. he will shoot from the six yard box all day long it's not uh, not in his nature but that's why we love him we've been playing some amazing football in the first in the last few minutes uh, of this game so sort of around the sort of 50-55th minute uh, had all 11 men Cambridge had had all 11 men behind the ball and we couldn't have gone any closer to extending their lead uh, sorry, we could have gone a bit closer um, as Theo Archibald had a cross come shot which managed to somehow strike the crossbar and the bar or, and, and then sort of bounce out. That was really unlucky. Really Great unlucky. Piece of play. Keeper beaten, Shaq Ford's hands out like he thinks it's in the goal. And we obviously we sit right behind that, thought that was in. Very unlucky. However, Archibald did not have long to wait. As in the 57th minute, one became two as a yeah. Tom James free kick from just inside his own half. Take it quickly. Looking for Theo Archibald, who was down the middle, threw on the goal, controlled it well, made no mistake with his second touch to finish the ball past Stevens, make it 2 0. Royal Dunphio deserved his goal, very yeah. industrious all game. Two touches, that's how easy football can be. Pass, control, Quick shoot, thinking. Bosch. 
Great assist as well from Tom James. Lovely goal. At that point, I thought the game was done and no more than we deserved at that point as well. 100% agree with you. That is very, very quick thinking. I missed it because I was making a note about Theo's, <laughs> Theo's crossbar uh, shot previously. But um, yeah, watching the highlights back and, and just seeing how he looks up, sees the run, bang, ball goes over, perfectly weighted. It wasn't over hit, so you're no, going to have to stretch to control it. He controls it perfectly and then bangs it past the keeper. It's absolutely superb. Deserved. Uh, absolutely right. 65 minutes, Tom James had an effort went, that went just wide after some good build-up play as the heavens began to open <laughs> at Brisbane Road. That was biblical rain. Again, it, it's parakeet-esque it kind of parakeet shenanigans. I mean, the one thing that I noticed through the game, I think there's a tweet that alludes to it, is the pitch was just immense the whole game. I was saying, normally, this is where your pitch would start getting bogged down and the ball would stop moving. The ball moved beautifully throughout the entire night. For the most part. You've got to think in terms of the rain that fell on it. Brilliant. I think the pitch looked absolutely immense yesterday. So well done to everyone involved in that. It was amazing. In the 68th minute, Simpa picked up a yellow card for the visit. There's a lot of yellow cards being branded around for the away team. Finally. Finally. uh, I think it was a bit overdue to be honest. Ethan Galbraith was fouled about 25 yards out in the 70th minute. Tom James hit the free kick. Unfortunately, it was high and over the bar. 72nd minute. Superb work from Ethan Galbraith. He won the ball deep into the Cambridge box. When their defender was waiting, trying to marshal it out. Galbraith nicked in there, kept it in play, pulled the ball back for Ralph Satori. We all wait with bated breath and the ball was going to hit the net, but his shot was saved again by Stevens. Great from Galbraith. Again, I think you mentioned that Raw will be disappointed he hasn't scored at least one yesterday from the yeah. chance in the 50th minute. From the chance we've just spoken about, I think Robbie'd be disappointed. Absolutely. 78 minutes, first Orient substitution as the impressive Jordan Graham made way for George Moncur. I mean, that's a hell of a sub to make, right? 78 minutes, George Moncur coming on for Jordan Graham. Two championship players. Strength on the bench, yeah. really happy with that. 81st minute, it was coming for me anyway. Theo Archibald picked up the standard booking like he knew he was going to pick up because he was getting more and more agitated throughout the game with James Brophy. And we, he gets his book in. Well done, Theo. He knew it was coming. <laughs> Absolutely knew that was coming. A minute later, George Moncur found himself through on goal after beating three Cambridge players, but unfortunately he fired wide. Done so well Should there. Should have done better. Took the shot on a bit early. I think he had a bit more time, but just wanted, I think, the champagne finish into the far post early. But good run there from George. Unlucky yeah. not to score there. Next time for our second sub shortly after. Shaq Ford made way standing ovation I think it's fair to say Shaq Ford got expert he made way for Joe Piggott he was superb Shaq Ford what a great talent and as, as uh, Nigel said you know fair play Steve Foster for finding yeah. uh, Shaq Ford absolutely brilliant Tom James picked up a booking in the 84th minute yeah Okunabiri I yep. no idea if I said that right anyway Spot. he was booked for Cambridge after a foul on Ed Turns yeah well done 87 minutes third sub for the O's Jordan Brown was replaced by Darren Darren Prattley. Again, I mean, this is a strength that we haven't had, right, in terms of the injury list. Yeah. Brown, you can take Brown off the last five minutes and Prattley gets five, ten minutes under his belt. So really good to see that. Six minutes of added time went up on the board. Cambridge had a chance. Simpa shot wide there in the second added minute. Yes, he did. And then 93 minutes, Sol Brin was forced to dive low to put the ball out for a corner uh, from McConnell's effort. Yeah, no further action to talk about. The referee blew the full-time whistle bringing the game to a close as the O's ran out two new winners to pick up our first win of the season. So David just spoke to Richie Williams after the game. Richie Williams in great spirits, very cheeky as well. We're going to play just a short snippet of this interview. Here's a bit of what Richie had to say. And hopefully the profanity isn't quite in there. If you, hopefully you don't hear it, but I think there's a slight slip. So apologies, but we wanted to play this. Richie, thanks for joining us. First of all, congratulations. First win back in League One. Yeah. I knew it was going to be a brilliant day today for two reasons. 
One, I was on my way to the ground, and I seen this young guy, about 50s, mid-50s, in a convertible car, pull up at the lights, I looked to my left, and I seen him just loving life, and I looked across, and I thought, what a guy. Do you that was, Dave? In the mid-50s, it's not me, Richie. Are you older than mid-50s? No, I'm much older than that. Oh, yeah. Well, you look really well for mid-50s. I think he's giving her away that, yeah. I pulled him. I was going to pivot you away, but I thought, you know, you're enjoying that sun beaming down on you. So I thought, I'll leave you to it. It's lucky it wasn't a little bit later, wasn't it, with a, with a, with a rain. But I've had a good day, haven't I? Had that a was day. a fantastic time. Yeah, and now I know the reason why, because you've got that rooftop, that convertible. convertible. How old are you? 66. 66. You, got a, you don't look 66. You look unbelievable for 66. Anyway, and the other reason was the players have, have took on... We'll get serious now. And the players have took on a, a lot of information this week about the, the, the way that we play, the, the ball speed. And I think at times that was brilliant entertainment as well as a, as a real good result. It was brilliant entertainment. I thought it was exceptional. And you know what? We was against Wickham away. Exceptional. And we just didn't score. We didn't defend our box better. We had that today. We... We could have scored quite a few more goals, but we, we was we was absolutely brilliant. And you made some significant changes. No, I just think that we've had people that are not up to speed, um, so we, we took Joe out just because you know what we when you flog someone who's not fit, who's not had a pre-season, and when you sign players a little bit late and they don't have that game time, it can be difficult. So then you just need to take them out and give them a rest to then intensify that sharpness. Um, you know, we think that we think that Ed's going to be a top top player. Um, Ethan Galbraith didn't deserve even though we played him at right back he's out of position you can see what a talent he is so obviously it's my job to, to make tough decisions I thought that this was a, I thought that you know against no disrespect to Morrison because I played with Morrison and he's a fucking excuse my language um, I know he's a, he's a great guy and he's, a, he's, he's been a brilliant player but when you play against Morrison and Bennett he wanted speed so we, we, we decided to go with speed and I think in the whole it, it worked so that was a bit of a snippet there of Rishi Williams talking to Dave Victor. The whole interview is available on the club's YouTube channel. I think, importantly, I think they do talk about Charlie Kalman for the last minutes of the interview. He kind of, Richard Williams says, well, why would I not want to sign Kalman? He's 21 years old when he was in the team last season. Yeah. I think 80% of the time we won the game. We know he's not he's a win we know he's not yeah. complete player, but we think we can get him there. So... I'd be very surprised if Charlie Kelman isn't in the Orient shirt by the time we're doing this podcast next week. Also, interestingly, a lot of O's fans watched Mark Bonner's interview. They did. I did very as well. Very impressive. I mean, he was very honest. He was probably one of the first managers I've seen say fair play. Orient were brilliant and spoke about his team not being at their best, but at the same time didn't take anything away from us. So fair play to Mark Bonner. Looks like a very good manager they've got there. He's very they better than us and they deserve the results. Yeah, decent, because not a lot of managers would give us so much credit as much as he did, so fair play to him. The league table, so after five games, the O's are up and running with their first win. We are now 18th in League One. We're not going to do a league roundup uh, at this time. It's too early to be thinking about that, so we're going to move on. So we certainly are. So views on yesterday, I'm sure everyone's still... I mean, I woke up this morning, I was still buzzing. From that. Absolutely. Really happy. But your views on yesterday, Bid and Lejanda. Yeah, the most complete performance this season, and for me, in quite yeah. a while, um, as Nigel said as well, in, in, in a couple of seasons, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. I mean, there were a couple of games last season where we had the complete performance, but by far and away, we've stepped up a league and, and that was absolutely outstanding and that is a warning shot to the rest of the league to watch us. Mark Bonner actually in his post-match interview said we didn't know what formation they were going to play because they've tried different formations. Yeah. So you're playing four def- uh, three defenders um, and, and plenty of midfielders. You don't know that Ethan Galbraith is going to play at right back and James at left back. So it's good that we've kept them guessing and, and hopefully that means that other managers uh, and scouts will see that and not know what we're going to do. Everyone was on their game yesterday. Everyone had full concentration. Everyone had full effort. 
everyone was trying their absolute hardest and we went for total domination and it actually worked an absolute treat. No criticism of any player for me this week. Solbrin had very little to do, but when he had something to do, uh-huh. he did it very, very well. Uh, it's very easy in a game, perhaps, when you don't have much to do as a goalkeeper, to switch off. Lawrence Vigru had not much to do in certain games last season, but when he was needed, he did what he needed to do and, and, and kept us in game. So, absolutely brilliant. My, I took Theo, got a last-minute ticket for Theo yesterday. He still hasn't seen us lose a game yet, so that was great. Bit of a, a good luck charm for us as well as your kids as well. Yeah. So, uh, the dropping of Omar Beckles and Monker, I think, helped because I think we had a younger, faster group of players playing against a slightly older and arguably less mobile defence, which is what Richie's just alluded to there as well. And hope to see more of this in future games. Um, it brings a lot of... Um, Positivity for for Stevenage next week, who you know had probably slightly easier start to the season as had Cambridge yep. compared to us. And I think someone said to me yesterday that many of the teams at the top end had played more of their home games at home, whereas we'd played more of our games away, and a lot of the bottom set had played more away than at home. So it should start to even itself out uh, shortly. Fine. We've we've jumped up, Cambridge have dropped down. We're above Charlton now. Not that it means much at this stage, but they beat his first game of the season and haven't really done so well since. So. Look, interesting league. Nothing is set now. It's a 46-game season. We're only five in. Yeah, certainly. I thought that was superb yesterday, I must say. I think one of the best performances I can remember to a man. Everyone done their job, their job well. It's certainly, <coughs> certainly up there with what I remember from last season. And I think, like I said, like you wouldn't know who was first or 23rd. If you were a neutral, with no knowledge of League One, you would walk in and go, right, mm. I presume the team in red at first because they're knocking it around like they are. So really good. Fully deserved the win. Could have been more. I think big thing that hasn't really been spoken about too much is that's two clean sheets in a row now. Mm-hmm. So defensively, from conceding four home to Portsmouth four week, two weeks ago. Yeah, three at Wickham. Three at Wickham. Now in the last you know ten days since then, one hundred and eighty minutes without conceding a goal. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Thought big goal for Ford. Thought Theo was immense. I think Idris, who Bonner spoke about post match as well, he said Idris was like the man of the match. Idris ran rings around League 2 last season at points again literally was running rings around the Cambridge midfield Idris was amazing Galbraith was superb I think he might have uh, given himself a berth at right back potentially because I can't see him losing that spot now because I thought he was immense yesterday I think that was more like the Tom James who we want to see Yes, I think Tom James had a great game yesterday obviously got booked but great assist goes close a couple of times to scoring as well looked really good Bryn, thought was cool as you like as well. Something I noticed with Bryn, obviously my first time watching Bryn, his distribution was really good as well. A lot of short passing, a lot of long passing. I thought his distribution was really good. I thought Turnton happy in the middle of defence. I was made a little concerned when that was announced, just due to a lack of experience. I thought they were brilliant. Both of them looked really solid, really sharp. I hope Happy's all right. Obviously he went down a couple of times holding his hamstring late on in the game. I hope that's literally nothing too bad. I thought Jordan Brown, you know, we're getting a battler in there, tenacious. I thought he was really good as well. I thought Graham looked like a decent player, gets an assist. And I think a lot of people said Graham was actually their choice for man of the match. So, you know, I've, I've named most of the squad there. I thought mm-hmm. we did, without Beckles and Moncur on the team, I think we did move the ball faster. And without Piggott, I think the ball moved it faster. That might have been down to the pitch. I thought it looked superb. But yeah. got to say, well done to Richard Wellington. Made some big calls. I'm glad they paid off for him. And I think Beckles, Piggott, Monks, they're going to have to fight for their places back. I think if you're looking... You know, at two o'clock next Saturday, and you're waiting for that team sheet to be announced. I think you'd be very surprised if you saw many changes to that team. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be happy at two o'clock with the same starting eleven as what I saw yesterday, yeah. based on what I saw yesterday. So, very happy with that. What a difference a week makes. Yeah, we it's sat here last week, went through the first four or five games of the season, one point from twelve, 
conceded some shocking goals at Portsmouth. We sit here a week later, the injury list has got smaller. We had a whole week to prep for Cambridge United. We turned them over, one of the best performances I can remember. Happy days. Absolutely. Well, we've had a really tough start to the season. We have Paul Charlton we have. Uh, and Wickham. Like, no, there's no pushovers. We had an awful lot of feedback that came in uh, after this match. So thanks to everyone who took the time to tweet their views and, and mention, um, uh, you know, tell us your views, uh, whatever social media platform you use. We're about to read a few of them. Loads making good points. Obviously, all really positive. Uh, but just because we're reading them, it doesn't mean that we agree with them. Boatsy kicks us off this week. He said, hello, League One. Leighton Orient have finally arrived. And what a great result. Richie got the team selection and tactics spot on. Galbraith and Graham looked class acts. And Theo took his goal well. It was great to finally get a win with loads of players performing well. Good point there, Ben. Painting Orient said the beauty of the refreshed forward line was how interchangeable it was. Difficult for Cambridge to track and typified by Theo popping up in a central position mm. for the second goal. That's a really good point. Really good point. All of the newcomers looked like the real deal and Galbraith was everywhere in different class. He really was. Dirk Turk said, the most complete home performance I can remember for a long time. The first half was great. The second half was awesome. Should have been three or four. They took a pasting on to next week. Dan Orton 2590 said, genuinely, that's one of the most aesthetically pleasing performances I've seen from an Orient team in a very long time. The scoreline flatters Cambridge massively. For the most part, that was a one-sided beatdown. Only complaint is we didn't score five Mm. or six, but we will be fine. George underscore Brown underscore said, one of the best performances I've seen at Brisbane Road. Fantastic goals and a special mention to Ethan Galbraith, who played unbelievably well today. This win is huge and I think will play a huge part against Stevenage next week up the O's. Yeah, Lennon Forster, the best compliment I can pay the team is that we played like we were top of the league coming into the game, not Cambridge. Simply fantastic from every player. Yeah, JME Ray 72 said, a dominant performance, great performance across the team. Brown and Elmiz controlled the midfield. Galbraith looks like a standout player at this level and Graham and Shaq offered so much going forward. I have to say, Ethan Galbraith's touch when he controlled the ball just in front of the away fans when they tried to clear it or we passed it to him. That touch that he just stopped it dead there. Unbelievable. (laughs) Samuel LFC 97 said, pretty complete performance. Turns handled at Army exceptionally well considering their strengths are to work off of him but he didn't have a sniff. Galbraith, Theo worked really well on the rights and Ford can hold the ball up well his movement is excellent yeah the, un- yeah the untold games that Ethan Gabraith looks like he'll have the same problem as El Miz so good we get used to it and stop seeing that he's the best player in pretty much every game immense good point Les OK52 it's a great birthday present for me complete performance excellent performances from Idris Galbraith and Theo like Piggott I'm not sure Ford is suited as playing a lone striker role might be better playing alongside each other but no complaints from me Superb performance. Yeah, and happy birthday to you, Les. Dave Nell said, excellent performance all round. Much slicker, more movement going forward, but thought the back four and Bryn should get a lot of praise. Never in trouble. Gives the team so much more confidence when on the ball. It's a good point. If you've got yeah. more faith in your keeper and your back four, and as a midfielder or forward, you feel more comfortable and confident going forward. Dole underscore Hooper said, a joy to watch. Could have been four. So many great performances. Encouraging that such a young team can control a game like that. Galbraith, big talent. Graham getting better every game. Ford was a handful. Rail looked sharp. And Theo deserved his goal. Yeah, underscore 49 Giants. New one uh, for me there. So welcome to the podcast. Superb performance all round. Can't fault any player. Could have easily been more. How on earth El Miz can't get into the Ipswich squad is baffling. He's an absolutely class player, a true midfield general, and totally deserved the captain's armband. Whatever you think, like Kieran McKenna's done well and he's got uh, Ipswich into the championship. So for them, that's the right decision. 
their losses definitely are game. Well, let's hope Ipswich keep doing as well as what they Absolutely are before right. they start looking around. Danny RA five eight four zero one two three nine said the O's are back. Football masterclass dished out to side sitting top of the league by a young, vibrant and technically gifted team. Who is this young, vibrant, technically gifted team? Richie has some real selection headaches to ponder over now. Yeah, Patrick G321. Again, another new one yeah. for me. Welcome. We were brilliant today. A joy to watch. Not sure if it was the absence of Beckles or the return of Sol, but the defence looked more composed. Far more composed, sorry. Elmis and Galbraith were a different class, but the whole team performed in togetherness was what really impressed me. Good points. Tricky O's. The fans that went to Wickham and Blackpool and clapped the players off the pitch deserve to see that. We could see the performances getting better. Also, the pitch, the lighting, the new goals made for a very good mm. product when going to Brisbane Road. Really enjoyed it. Good points there. Yeah, the new goals are pretty spectacular. E10 underscore rifles said, great all-round performance. That was a joy to watch. Galbraith looks very exciting. Archie works his socks off. Elmiz is the biz. Getting turns back has resulted in two clean sheets. Big up the gaffer, Richie Wellens. Enjoy your bleep bleep night. I like the way they he now puts bleep bleep in because he knows any swear words are just going to get bleep bleeped out anyway. So thank you <laughs> just for that. Us from having to Good think. point about turns. Turns in two clean sheets with turns in the starting 11. Yeah. Good points there. Flew is Daniel. So Ethan Galbraith may have just played himself into being a right back. I cannot remember a better performance from a right back at the Orient. Everyone played excellent today and I hope Elmis keeps the armband. The man was a general out there. Yeah, confused Magyar said the entire team was incredible, left it all out there and it showed by how dominant we were. We never really looked in doubt. Bryn, Elmiz, Tom James, Gabraith, Theo, Shaq, Turns, Happy were all superb. Probably the hardest man of the match choice in a while. Yeah. Fair point. Only complaint is it should have been more. Special mention for Tom James though, absolutely pocketing Brophy all game. Seeing him having to be swapped to the other side by Cambridge was low-key one of the highlights of the game. Tom James versus Brophy showed how far we've come in the last few years in terms of quality and why Tom James is so good. Excellent point. Great point. Excellent point. Lomax underscore Chris said, haven't heard many speaking about how well the pitch held up. Heavens opened and the water seemed to drain away nicely. And mm. we even watered the pitch after. And I think that pitch, I know Richie spoke about it, I think, in his postman. Well, that pitch was excellent. Beautiful. It Brilliant. did, at one point, I did notice it to the wards, the southwest side, it did slow down a bit midway through the downpour. Um, but that's obviously to be expected. Um, but yeah, superb pitch. Brilliant. Really. Ben Porter, CT, said, what a performance. Idris was immense. Turns was solid. Galbraith was quality. And Theo was electrifying. Ford was strong and quick. Brown was effortless. And the best thing was Rich's after-match interview. Master tactician, great man-manager, quality bloke. No surprise, these players love him, as do we. Yeah, absolutely. The last tweet on Cambridge goes to Lawton Gams, who gets the final word. He says, we've been improving, but that was on another level. Or it took the team top of the table before kick-off to the cleaners. Theo is on fire this season. Ole Miss is mercurial, and what a signing Galbraith is. But everyone played so well. Outstanding stuff. So that's where a lot of you, so uh, again, with varying different points, but by and large, everybody very happy with that performance yesterday. So do you agree or disagree with any of the tweets you've read out? Let us know what you think. You can tweet us. We're at Orient Outlook. If you're not on social media, that's absolutely fine. We've got an email. That's orientoutlook at outlook.com. We're on Facebook. Just search Orient Outlook Podcast. And on Instagram, Orient underscore Outlook underscore podcast. So prediction league update. Then we had a few correct predictions yesterday. A few people uh, went for 2-0 and they got three points. We're going to mention the ones who uh, got four points by predicting 2-0 and a score. Us. So well done, Grant the Posty, Doe Lewis, Uexon, Ben Whitlock 13 and Brit Lion Devices who uh, got four points. So prediction league table is on our Facebook page. 
currently being uh, led by Doe Lewis, who's got seven points, so two correct predictions so far for him. Six points, so two correct predictions as well for Rob JB, 1974, with everyone else behind them in the table. So have a look on our Facebook page, and thanks to everyone for all their predictions yesterday. And like we said last week, Prediction League somehow is still open for sponsorship. So anyone who listens to the podcast or does a Prediction League, that tweet goes far and wide. So if you want in, give us a DM, and I'm sure we will come back to you with the best prices out there for your favourite podcast to sponsor. Absolutely. So let's move on then to Sunday the 27th of August. Tom James and Theo Archibald made the Football League Papers Team of the Day, so well done to them. And I met, randomly, at my aunt's house today, a fellow Orient fan, Mike Harrison. Really good to meet you in chat, Orient. (laughs) Randomly, yeah. All right, so one hour, 24 minutes, 17 seconds. Let's wrap this up. Fantasy football update. The table is still updating, but as it stands, friend of the podcast, Josh Abrahams, is top of the Orient Outlook Podcast Fantasy Football League. He's got 194 points. He's ahead of Paul Skinner in second place on 188 points. I'm currently sitting in 240th place, currently out of 371 players. He won 60 last week, I think, if I'm not... Not mistaken. Probably. It's a marathon, not a sprint. That's right. Positives and negatives that we move on to now. I mean, there could have been uber positives, right? We could have like 10, 20. We're only going to take three into this one. First up, our first win of the season. Monkey off our backs, I think. Really good to see. Second positive, mentioned it in the views before, but back-to-back clean sheets. Really, really great to see. Lastly, complete performance. I think like we said, I can't think of any man who didn't perform. I think they all were excellent. Movement was great, passing was great, decision making was great. It was the complete performance. It really was, yeah. The only negative that we have is that there are still quite a few players out injured at the moment, but it's good that some have been uh, declared fit and have played and are back in the squad. So it is getting smaller and lesser and lesser. I'm sure that will probably play a part in who they bring in and who they move out, as Nigel alluded to uh, earlier on in the show. Yeah, absolutely. So Hero of the Week. So now the podcast is back. We've got a standard Hero of the Week back. I mean, there could have been so many nominations yesterday. I guess everyone knows the way uh, Twitter works. It could have been many more than four nominees. We're limited to Twitter for, I think we, you know, we had, well, we nominated Theo Archibald, Idris Elmazuni, Shaq Ford, Ethan Galbraith. I think there were a lot of tweets around Jordan Brown, uh, around Jordan Graham as well, who both played really well. But obviously, we win with our votes. Again, Decent amount of votes in yeah. just 24 hours. 334 votes, but an outstanding winner with 48% of the votes is Ethan Gabbraith. So well done to Ethan. I think that's very well deserved. Player playing out of position showed his class and quality. So thanks to everyone who took a moment to vote there. So next week, we only have one fixture next week. We are at home again, finally, and we welcome Stevenage to Brisbane Road. Uh, that's going to be on Saturday the 2nd of September. Stevenage are currently 5th in League 2. They drew 0-0 at home to Portsmouth on Saturday. They've started extremely well, haven't they? God. They had Jake Forster-Kasky sent off yesterday. So Shame. He, he will miss our game. Um, Shame. I, think, I feel maybe it's the Steve Evans effect. Maybe it's because last year it was us. But I feel that there's a bit of a rivalry starting to start between Leighton Orient uh, and Stevenage. I think it's okay. clear that Wellens and... Steve Evans don't really like each other. I think it's fair to really? say. Well, I think they, they seem to mimic each other. Do you remember last year where mm. Steve Evans done his kind of like, when they beat us, like they'd won the league at their gaff and Richie wouldn't start doing it shortly after. So, yeah, be a big game, tough one, but I think we're all fairly confident going into that one. Yeah. Also, important to note next week, it's transfer deadline. So transfer deadline day next Friday. The transfer window closes at 11pm 
on Friday the 1st of September. I'm sure we'll see one or two new faces in the orange shirt crop up. We'll see those subliminal tweets come out uh, a quarter to yeah. uh, four whenever they do it with like an overshot picture and this little dot, dot. and everyone tries to make Zoom it in and it only zooms so far. Absolutely. <laughs> so, sponsorship reminder, don't forget, get in touch with John and the fantastic team of experienced florists at Carol Langley Florist 0208 529 4130 is the shop number. You can get in contact via social media at Carol Langley E4. That's Carol with an E on the end, or at Essex Biz is John's direct Twitter account. They're on Instagram as well. Search Carol Langley Florist. That's all one word, and just search Carol Langley Florist on Facebook. So that is it. That is it. Thanks for joining us, everyone, for episode 326. It's been a quiet week at the club, but there's anything but quiet on the pitch as the O's turned in a magnificent performance to pick up their first win of the season to leave us fans well and truly powering at the football we saw giving us a real sense of hope and optimism after a difficult few weeks now Super Richie Wellens he's got another week with his team on the training ground before the visit to Stevenage and maybe we'll see a new face or two and you can hear about that game and the forthcoming week in the next episode of the Orient Outlook podcast well, hopefully, we'll be talking about another great performance and another three points. Yeah, if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe. Give the podcast a five-star rating. Or if you're listening on Spotify, please don't forget to rate the show. You can even leave a comment on each episode. So please do so if you do get a chance. And don't forget to follow us or add us to your favourites on your chosen podcast provider, as that way you'll get all the episodes as soon as they're available. We're also on Smart Speakers, the Fan Hub app, and we're also on YouTube now. We upload all of these shows onto YouTube. So listening to the podcast has never been easier. If you've got an older relative, a loved one, an Orient chum, a friend who's got a passing interest in the club, if you're a new fan, you know, a new fan, if you sat down in your season ticket seat and there's a new season ticket holder next to you, grab their phone, download it for them, and pass the pod. Obviously, grab it in a non-aggressive way. We don't want any anyone getting in trouble. And just leaves us just to say thank you to Nigel for coming yes. on the show, as always, and to Dave Victor as well. Very grateful to have them on this week always grateful always good to speak to Nigel Travis thanks to the club as well for sorting that one out and we wish David the, the best of luck with the book so that is it like Paul said we'll be back with episode 327 next week with all the information and views that you could ever need so we look forward to hearing from you and as always keep calm stay safe have a great week and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast up the O's